Hello and welcome to Agony Aunt and Uncle. Um, if you're listening on podcast, if you want to have a look at us, <laughs> we're on the Sawala Adelie's YouTube channel so you can find us there. Um, if, if you come to this regularly, I'm sorry that we always start in the same way, but it's an important bit of housekeeping for us to say we are not experts, we are not professionals, we are not therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. Which begs the question, what the hell are we doing here <laughs> of saying anything at exactly. all? Well, I just think that, um, you know, I think there's a real gap, if you like, in the market of living, of having people that just can really, really listen and really take into account one person's problem. Mm. So I think what we do is what we do with our friends or our kids or whatever, isn't it? We just we just sort of share an experience we might have had, a bit like the way we do with our, you do your Thursday Thursday on Thursdays, where you talk about alcoholism and I do my body image thing on a Monday. And what we do there is we just share our experience and hope that people get something from it. Mm. So that's very much how we do this now sometimes people do send us letters that are just way beyond our abilities um beyond our purview yeah so if something is too um is too wrapped up in maybe really complex mental health conditions we won't ever do those because we are not qualified to and also sometimes on that note sometimes when we ask it's good it's helpful to have your age obviously we're not asking for you to write an exhaustive biography but uh, sometimes we may step aside from certain problems that however we would advise or talk or discuss the problem, it, it would be critical for us to know the nature of a relationship or the nature of your circumstances that would be and crucial. And age is hugely yeah, yeah. important yeah, because is. it really does depend where you are in your life, what yeah. we might say. So, Mark, why don't you start? Okay. Um, this one is anonymous. Um, we will say your first name if you when you sort of send us your dilemma or question or whatever. Um, if you put your name, we'll, we'll say your first name. Uh, so this one reads as follows. Please could you discuss getting help when living with an alcoholic father? How to get through to the alcoholic as well? My mother isn't a, an alcoholic, but drinks too. So home isn't the best at, best at times. I'm 20 years old, female, and don't know what to do anymore. I've tried for years, but I also need to get out of the toxicity of things my father will say to me when he's drunk. It's so damaging to me, and I start to believe the cruel, worthless things that are said about me. It's awful because on the rarity, on the rare occasions he's sober, home is so different, but alcohol consumes every day. I know this is a difficult topic. You both amaze me with your strength and compassion. Oh, thank you. I watch your vlogs and am in total admiration. I wish I had a family life full of fun, laughter and care and support like yours. It's beautiful to see. Uh, because you've come out the other side. So I've wanted mm. to ask for advice many times because of your experience and compassion. So this forum is such a great idea. Oh, Mark, don't you just want to reach through and give her a hug? <sighs> totally, totally. God, and 20 is such a difficult age. And also, I mean, in a weird way, because, you know, we don't normally read out the compliments in a sense, but baked into what you're saying about what you see on the channel, what you've liked, mm. I think... Um, speaks to uh, a crucial part of what it is you're going through, which is yes, uh, you know, you know, we really we cherish you guys, our subs, our followers. We do go to great lengths to show the difficult times, as well as mostly the sort of stupid and fun times. We obviously we don't show all of them, and I think it's really important to say that. You know, we don't show. We talk. We may talk about the worst of times, and in fact, I have with mental health and addiction. Nadia has about body confidence, and we have about things like suicide, things like you know. So we do. 
when we've experienced things, we will talk about them, but we obviously don't show them as they're happening in real time all the time. That would just be too much for everyone. And we also have a duty of care to ourselves and our own mental health. But, you know, what you're seeing in the vlogs and what you're perhaps, you know, you describe it as sort of, you know, compassionate, strength, family life, full of fun, laughter and care. It's been a lot, it's taken a lot of hard work and complications and successes and many failures to get there. And, and the point I'm trying to make is we also don't, we're not always there just because we're okay at the moment. It doesn't mean we're not going to be okay in a month's time. You know, it. it's, I don't want you to think that it's just this idyll or this perfection that we've kind of, that works in a narrative order where you put in all the work, put in all the work, and things just get better and better and better. And I do think this is a dangerous narrative or tricky narrative that many of us can fall into, even in thinking I need to get sober or how can I help? It's not a straight line to success. And yes, there are many things you can do to improve your life and we'll have a discussion around this, but I just, I don't know what you think of this, but I just wanted to clarify from the outset that the very things that you're describing as giving you hope maybe in some of our content, you know, we do share them because we actually, we would have liked to have seen someone giving us hope too, in a sense, you know, and thinking, oh, this is possible. You can get around it, but it's not, it's not as perfect as it may seem. Yeah, I know what, you, what you're saying. And first of all, what I want to say to you is Mark and I were both a mess at 20. A mess. I was a mess. You know, before I had um, the girls, I, I had a I had a really I had a problem with alcohol. I mean I really did. I, I boozed my way through my life. Um and first of all, I really think it'd be good if you went back to last week's episode of this or the week four episode of Agni Aunt and Uncle, because in there Mark was giving advice to somebody who had a parent who was an alcoholic, and I think all of that will be really relevant to you about some really sort of um, hard and fast facts of what you can do re-having an alcoholic parent. So if we part that and you go back to that episode, I want to talk to you about the fact that you can have a different life. And I want to expand this out to anybody else because we always say on these, look for the similarities, not the differences. So you might hear this story from this young girl and think, oh, well, she's 20. Oh, well, she's with her parents. Oh, she's like, that's nothing to do with me. But it... But it will be because some of you will be here because you're in unhappy relationships and you're in a living situation that isn't good for you. And we have both been in those situations. So, again, we're not advising. We're just sharing how how we've fallen in or out of being mm. around people that weren't good for us. Now, first and foremost, you love your parents. This is the thing, whatever our parents are. And sometimes people have the truly most horrific parents and they still love them. So let's mm. park that, right? That's, that's de rigueur, we know that. But what I'm hearing is that you don't like the situation and you don't like their behavior when they're drunk and you don't like the way it leaves you feeling and you're looking at us and you're looking at our lives and you're thinking, I want a life a bit like that, right? I don't know whether you'll be ready to hear this or not, because at 20, I couldn't hear anything. 
You know, as my dad says, until you were 40, your brain was blancmange. You know, I wish he'd sort of reduced that number a little bit, but I kind of knew what he meant. I was on a trajectory of just like being a bloody idiot. Do you know what I mean? And driving myself into a wall and making huge mistakes everywhere I went. But you sound like you are, you know, growing up with two people with drinking problem makes often makes somebody very sensible. Mark was that. And Mark grew up in a really chaotic, scary addicted addiction atmosphere and his saviour was actually a couple of things and I'm talking from my POV looking in education mm. he, he got himself an amazing education um, which saved him in one way and I think he had a small dream that maybe he wasn't even aware of to have a net, a family, a a support, proper love. He wanted to be a great dad. He wanted to make up for what his parents hadn't been able to give him. And I sometimes when, Mark, when you're really low, I say to you, isn't it amazing how you got what you wanted? Mm. Because sometimes you forget you got what you wanted. Mm. So I am not an advocate of like, if you really, really want something, you can just get it. Oh, well, really, really want a swimming pool and a Cadillac. Well, you know, guess what? You're not going to get it. But I do believe in setting, like if, if it feels all dark now, but if you could just make pinholes of light and work towards them. And for anyone in a relationship that is toxic, because you living with your parents and your dad saying things to you that are toxic is not good for you. So start making little dreams. Maybe it is, maybe at the moment you're in the house seven days a week. So I would say like a first dream would be, if this was my daughter, I'd be saying, well, first dream is get out of the house a bit more, you know, because that would be in whatever way. And then maybe the next dream is to think about getting, living somewhere else. Um, however that might be, it might be in a big, with a big group because that's a really cheap way to do it. It might be in a bed sit, it might be whatever. But start just having, setting yourself little goals to get away from a toxic living environment so you can have a different relationship with them where sometimes you could set the boundaries and you could say, well, I really want to see you. I really miss you. I love you, but I'm only going to see you if you're sober. You know, little things like that. And that's the beginning of building maybe a life that you want. Yeah, I mean, something I want to sort of stress from the outset is if you, and it's very much threaded throughout your your paragraph here, if you're attaching your happiness and sort of contentment or your mental health and your state of mind and your mood, if you're if you in any way attach that to the addiction or drinking of a loved one or a close one close one it's no surprise that your happiness is going to move up and down yeah. in, in parallel to where they're at with their drinking so of course it's that terrible thing isn't it where you get you know the terrible trauma of having an alcoholic or addictive parent of any form is they can give you so much love that fills which you're desperate for in the moments of sobriety because often they're trying to make amends in their own contorted mm. way for what they know they've kind of let you down with whilst they were actually high or what they can't remember that's the worst thing mm. and so of course you get that sort of tug of war with the parent where they're trying you know suddenly there's a huge closeness or you feel there's a closeness but I remember as a child my mum won't mind me talking about this I remember there were moments where I, I couldn't really trust what that closeness was because it wasn't it was coherent away. it was mm, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't even coherent it wasn't kind of it wasn't clear at times and sometimes I can be really mystified so but 
just kind of chiming in on what Nadia was saying about trying to get away. One of the really terrible facts of the economic climate and everything that we live in at the moment is so many people don't have the conventional choice of just being able to leave home. So I was sort of sitting here thinking, well, okay, let's assume that's not even an option. You know, you talk about the fact that your mum isn't an alcoholic but drinks too. Is there any way you can have a conversation with your mum to see in what ways the two of you could or where she could perhaps not drink too? Because, you know, perhaps your mum is drinking in order to take the edge off her own experience of being with your dad or her her own unhappiness. You know, perhaps then you could have a conversation with your mum about what do you think is caught? Again, you can't solve it. What's the three C's? You didn't cause it. You can't cure it. You can't control it. Um, but you can still have a conversation with your mum about, well, what is it that's kind of driving it for dad? Where is his where is his deep unhappiness coming from? The only other thing I can think of in these instances, and this is purely pragmatic, and it doesn't also always necessarily marry that people are drinking the most of an evening, but can you curate or can you construct in your life even a social situation, a club, if it's not living with someone else, seeing friends, doing something on a at a time or at a point which is a regular moment or a regular part of the week that you know your dad is drunk so you know maybe it's always every thursday is worse than every other day can you do something where you're not around him at those worst times and again we don't know the nature of your geographical setup in the house sometimes it can be very very scary and you don't want to leave the room when somebody is drinking because you're scared of what they're going to do Um, but if you are in a situation with it where at the moment there is no hope of you moving out, um, move to your room. Put you know, put a lock on the door, just say, Right, I'm I'm out of here, you're getting mm. drunk. You know, find a way to protect yourself because mm. I'm actually gonna disagree with something that Mark said, and that's fine because we would if we had people around here. I don't agree with Mark about saying to your mum, What is it? Where is the deep unhappiness with dad? Because I think this is about you looking after yourself. You will never know the answers to that. People drink for so many different reasons. And I'm sure you've spent years trying to work out why your dad drinks. You know, and you will never. And we go back to Al-Anon, which is for families and friends of, of addicts, which is you didn't cure it. You can't, you didn't cause it, you can't cure it, and you can't control it. But what you can control is the way you respond to it. And you can remove yourself from the situation because the situation is toxic for you, not healthy for you. And you want to start beginning to make your own small dreams come true. Well, no, no. I, you see, what I'm trying to say about the cause thing, it suggests that you're trying to then construct your life in a way that I'm not suggesting for a minute you're doing it in order to under. It's not about understanding. This is about for you. Where I'm coming from on that is mm. you never know. Parents often keep things from their kids because they're trying to manage something or sort something. It could be a health issue. It could be any number of things. And sometimes some of the worst problems in families develop from people not talking. So it's certainly not about trying to kind of find out the causes so you can understand. I'm not even suggesting about understanding, but about equipping yourself with some kind of intelligence so that you can work out perhaps how you can then protect yourself. Because, you know, if it is something, you might you might find that just by talking to your mum one time and saying, look, mum, I really need to talk about it. She might say, well, actually, you know what? He's had terrible news or we've had to, you know. And, and you know, sometimes it's about communication. And I think it's about trying to connect with your mum about what's going on. You know, sometimes understanding the situation isn't about justifying it. It isn't about um, you feeling responsible for it. Far from it. 
It's about then being able to do something for yourself about it because you might understand the problem in a more detailed way. That's mm -hmm. all. Now, well, I um, do do go back to uh, that past uh, podcast and have a listen um, about we talk in more detail about Al Anon and about yeah. Um, yeah the difficulties of it. We really are very sympathetic and we talked about this quite a bit before yeah. we started recording and we we you know as to whether we should talk about it or not because we talked about. A similar thing last week but I thought it would be relevant for other people as well in getting out of situations that aren't good for you. But my point scrolling back to what I said at the beginning is don't beat yourself up yeah. with this idea that there is an ideal that like we live you know that there's this thing that you that don't, don't let it become the thing that's unreachable and mm. that makes you feel yeah. worse about your situation yeah. because even you know at this point that we're at there are, it, it's not, it's it's shit and showers. It's shit and, what is it? What's all the, shit or all sugar. It can be all shit or all sugar, and it can all be all shit still, you know? It's one day at a time, even for us, okay? So don't, don't, don't feel the pressure of pursuing just, that. Just, just take tiny steps, make tiny dreams come true. If seven days of the week he's pissed out of his head, and it's a nightmare for you in that house, get out for one night a week. You know, just find way out and then eventually you're looking down the line mm. of starting to build your life and that can be an incredibly simple dream it's not comp not a big fancy mm. expensive start with a simple dream and then start putting into it I hope that was of some help yeah and big hug from both mm. of us um right okay first of all thank you Anon for the kind things you said at the beginning we don't need the map because we get a bit um, but um, you say here, I'm feeling very lost in life. I'm 38 and have been separated, now divorced for almost five years. I met my ex when I was 18 and we were together for 16 years. We have a daughter who is now 10. To start with, I loved how stable and reliable he was. And having come from a broken home, all I ever wanted was a settled home life. However, over time, I began to feel very stifled and trapped within the relationship, exacerbated by bad postnatal depression, oh, sweetheart, which was never treated as, frankly, it's ridiculously easy to cheat on the questionnaires. My ex is a good man, but very set in his ways and unwilling to change or accept new ideas. I felt so lost and ended up making some terrible decisions, even having a very brief affair. In the end, we split and he has now moved on with someone else. I feel so terrible about what I did. But I also feel like it doesn't define me as a person. It doesn't. Anyway, I've now been trying to date for the past few years and I'm finding absolutely soul-destroying. I've been used by people as an emotional support dog and totally taken advantage of emotionally. But one of them even borrowed money from me and then ended up ghosting me. I've had man, men who've said terrible things and uh, until we've slept together and then they ghost me. Multiple dates where they just ghost you afterwards. It adds up to make me feel utterly worthless and unwanted. The last few years have been incredibly hard due to COVID isolation, the loss of my dad, dealing once again with anxiety and depression and also my chronic illness. Working full time, all the while being a single mum. Wow, you are a warrior. You're amazing. Mm. I take gaps from dating apps because my self-confidence is destroyed but after a few months, I think I'll give it another go, but it's always just as bad. I hate this modern way of dating as people treat others like they are disposable. And I know this is going to chime with so many listeners here. Mm. I don't see how anyone builds a meaningful relationship, but others do. So then I think maybe it's just me. 
And in my lowest moments, I torture myself by thinking maybe I just don't deserve happiness because of what I did. I don't really know what I'm expecting from you here. Maybe some advice on how to get better at not allowing my self-worth to be determined by other people. Or getting constantly rejected by utterly average men is honestly so damaging, but also infuriating. Good, be infuriated. I know I'm worth more, but it's so hard not to feel like shit when nobody wants you. I only want a relationship if it's a really good one, but just feels like I'm going to be alone forever. Thank you for sharing this. Very beautifully, perfectly and articulately written as well. Because um, I've got, we both, when we were reading this, we both got such a sense mm. of you, mm. um, you know, compacted in there your whole life. You know, a troubled life, wanted a stable man. Really, really clever decision. I need to stabilise myself. Um, and, and of course, we know all the rules, you know, that they'll say, oh, well, love yourself first, stabilise yourself first, and then look for a stable relationship. But we know that doesn't happen. You could have been somebody that just threw yourself into more chaos, which is what happens a lot when people grow up in a chaotic home. So first of all, can you give yourself a massive pat on the back for that? So let's start on this, like, just being a bit nicer to you thing. So you stayed for a long time in a marriage that, from what I'm hearing, sounded like it just wasn't serving you. It was boring. And you feel guilty because he was a good man and you should have just been satisfied with your lot because you had a good, stable man who looked after you. But you felt frustrated. You wanted to, to escape. You felt like you wanted more. You wanted to have more. That, there is nothing wrong in that. And then you had an affair. Of course, having an affair is not a great thing. But I think that it's unusual for women, I'm sorry to be really sexist here, for women to just have affairs unless things are, unless they're very unhappy. It is unusual. So, you know, that to me is another sign of unhappiness. You've pulled yourself together, you're a single parent, your mum, you've got to your 10 year old daughter, you've got all these challenges. And what you are doing, it sounds like to me, and this is what I'd say to my daughter, is that you are continuously flagellating yourself, repeating exactly the same behaviour, expecting a different outcome, which is the classification of insanity. <laughs> you keep going back to the dating apps. You're not making the right choices. You keep being hurt over and over again. Slept with and left. Money left. Da, da, da. You, you keep moving towards what sounds to me the right thing, which is like having a break. But you go back for that rejection. But what I'm also hearing in that is you're rejecting yourself mostly. And I think when you're rejecting yourself and really hating on yourself and thinking you're a terrible person and believing that you need to be punished because you haven't fully paid back the price of having an affair, I genuinely believe people pick up on that because you're going into things with a low self-esteem and nasty people, whether it's man or woman, they have this incredible antennae to pick up on that, that, that vulnerability. You know, so we always say, don't be mocked. Don't go to a first date and say, I've been a terrible person mm -hmm. or everybody's dumped me. Never, ever, ever say to anyone, I've been treated so badly because it plants a seed for the person to do the same thing. I do think, and you're not going to like this, I do think you're going to have to have a proper break. Two months isn't a proper break. It's like an alcoholic coming off alcohol for two months and going, oh, I feel strong enough now. I'm going to go and have a drink because they're not strong enough after two months. They're just not. 
and you're not with all the self-loathing I can hear in there. Personally, I would say after two months, you've just put a plaster, you're just getting this scab over that latest pain, you go out and go pick it off again. <laughs> Does that does that does that sound a bit? Does that chime with you? Because, and then and then of course you're going to say you're going to think, and anyone else listen? Well, that's all very well to say, Nadia, but how am I going to feel better about myself? And really, it's small steps. Again, it is small steps. You have to start being kinder to yourself. You know, there's two or three times in there where you say something really negative about yourself. And I talk about this. It might be good for you to listen to the body image lives that I've done through January every Monday. Because it isn't... I don't believe any of us hate our bodies because of the way our bodies look. We hate them because of the way that we think about ourselves here. And then we translate it into our body. And in there, we talk a lot on those lives about when those nasty trolls that we let live in our head come forward... Don't say, oh God, I mustn't think like that because I'm really trying now not to hate myself and I'm trying to be really positive about myself. Just say, oh, I've noticed what I've done there. Wow, that's four or five times today. I've really knocked myself. That's okay. It'll pass. Maybe tomorrow I'll have less. Maybe I won't. Because if you just try and suppress negative feelings, they pop up. You've got to start looking at them in the bare, under a bare light bulb and saying, and start saying to yourself, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired with myself. I'm sick and tired of punishing myself. Cut yourself a break. You've made some really good decisions and you've made some bad decisions. Well, welcome to the rest of the human race because we've all done that. And I think it's time for you to stop being so harsh on yourself. Have a proper break from dating apps. But not just like, oh, I'm not doing dating apps. I'm not doing date. I've made that choice. I haven't been forced to, to not do it because I can't find a man. It's because I'm going to spend proper time with myself. I'm going to do things. Think there must be something you've always wanted to do. However small, however big. It might be tap dancing. It might be learn to play the piano. Whatever it is. And start doing things truly just for you. When you have a bath or a shower, don't have a quick one. Have a luxuriating one. Look after yourself. Look after yourself. Look after yourself. And, and start building that, that, that confidence so that the first time somebody's unpleasant to you, when you do start dating again, you say, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't accept that sort of thing. I'm really sorry. We, we're wrong for each other and you're off. Because I bet you all these people showed you lots of little things and you took it in as your punishment. Um, I can only agree with everything that Nadia said. I mean, you know, when I see a dilemma like this, I, I put you in the position of being my daughter. Obviously, you're 38, so I would have been a, I would have been a very young teenage father. But, um, you know, you've gone through a lot. And I think, you know, it's about... Look, the line that really gets me here is... I don't know what I'm really asking from you, but how can I get better at not allowing my self-worth to be determined by other people? Exactly. I struggle with that. We all, you know, same, we all, I think we all struggle with that in varying degrees. And it's a very hard one to get around. When you hear people saying, love yourself more, or, be, you know, this, all this stuff, it comes from the right place. It's well-meaning. But, you know, I've been told that unless you love yourself and unless you're kind to yourself, that. unless you get sober for yourself. Now, that's not to say that further down the way you get to those places. I mean, I'm in therapy and I'm getting to a place where I'm trying to be kinder 
to a younger me and to a me that's younger in, in me now. Because we are all, we aren't suddenly just an old person. We are an amalgamation of everything we've gone through and everything we've lived. It strikes me that you are defining your life massively around this, let's call it whatever, infidelity. And infidelity doesn't make you a bad person. It really doesn't. It's a bad choice. You can do, yeah, how, and also we don't know the details of how it happened or anything like that. It was a bad, it's, it's something that one always wants to avoid. And more often than not, it's something that when it happens is often, as Nadia says, a huge symptom of something else that, that's going wrong. You were with your partner from the age of 18. You were very young when you got together. You know, when I look back at the relationship I was in at 23 and I think, I knew nothing. 18. I, I probably nothing. would have had 10 affairs. Yeah. I was a total mess till 38. I only started living properly at 38. Yeah. Both of us were. So, so you're really, just at the beginning. So it's really important you get, you know, the first thing I would say to you massively, if we were sitting together having a chat, would be, look, you've got to park that to the side because you are not a bad person, you know? We've all made mistakes, we've all misjudged things, but you were together for 16 years. It wasn't as if it you were so like well. in there for a couple of years and you yeah. flicked off and you moved somewhere else, you, you committed. It, it dawned on you that the relationship was, I don't want to say too much because you might still be in contact with them, obviously, if you have a child. So you don't, you know, you're not, you, you know, it wasn't right. He was set in his ways. You knew you needed something more. And that, I think... You had ambition you, for your life. And don't I feel think, ashamed of that. And I think it's really important, that word ambition, Nadia says there, is that's what you need to target again for yourself. Mm. You need to target in a weird way the kernel of ambition and frustration that made you step outside of a relationship you were in because you felt you needed and wanted something more. And what's happened, and I don't know how to answer this because I haven't been on the dating scene, obviously, for 20 years. I don't know how. The dating app uh, sort of dilemma or kind of concept would have potentially destroyed me. And I think Nadia's right to use the equation or the equivalence of an addiction and you need to kind of stop and put it to one side for longer. And you need to find it, you not need to, but, and you want to sort of really try and get to a place where what happens on that dating app doesn't define you. Because you say somewhere, where is it, modern way of dating, you say, but also, you know, nobody wants you. Right, here's some news for you. You don't know nobody wants you. You don't no. know that. And the you reason know you don't know that, you know that you've met people that aren't right for you exactly. and you aren't right for them. So that's not nobody not, you know, nobody wanting you. It's really important that shift of language. It really because is. like nobody wants you. But if you really, these people sound horrible. So you don't want them. Mm. Just start shifting that around to like you not wanting them. And just on the love yourself thing, I never say somebody should love themselves because I think it's like, I said this the other night on my body image life. It's like asking someone to climb Everest. You're in this place of feeling really shit. Somebody says, oh, well, nothing's going to happen until you love yourself. Well, that is an incredibly difficult thing to do. But it's moving towards acceptance, right? That we are all made of good and bad parts. Good and bad choices, good and bad behaviours, good and bad feelings. And, and, and we accept that we're all, and we're all striving to be better, better people. On the, I had an epiphany the other day in a yoga lesson. My yoga teacher was said, you know, and just go to your true self and just like, and I was sat there and I was thinking, what's my true I don't self? Know what the true self is. Yeah, and I felt, and I think this every time. So I had a conversation with her after. So I said, I don't know what my true self is. I don't know what my creativity, I don't know what it is. And she said, well, you do. You just don't know you do. It's like, look at all the things that are good. That you love. So, okay, so I know you've got a 10-year-old daughter, okay? You c 
created her, and I don't mean literally physically, but your mm. per, your life, your vibrations, mm. your everything brought, brought to that to you. You might have a job that you love. You might have, I don't know, you might have a nice bedroom. You might have, and so people tend to look, look for something vast, but it's not vast. It's like bring it closer in, and that is your true self. Because what we do is when we're looking for something vast, we're missing what's right in front of our eyes. You know, our relationships are... And, and, you know, a really good question for you is, are you lonely? Right? Loneliness is a really difficult thing to admit to. Do you know it's one of the one topic we've never spoken about, really, on Loose Women? No Loose Woman has ever said, as far as I know, that they're lonely mm. on television. Mm. Because there is something about saying that word that there is sort of shame attached to it. It's, mm. it's awful. But, but I want to bring it up because maybe you are lonely and so you keep driving yourself towards finding a date and finding a man. And maybe that loneliness, you should be looking somewhere else. And then when you've done a bit of that, then you can maybe start. That's really good. That's a really good thought. Because, I mean, how much of what you're feeling is the understandable, you know, as a recovering addict, the pressure to drink is massive. But you know what? The more and more I kind of move through life, the pressure to be in a so-called perfect relationship is massive. Or to be in a relationship is massive. So that's a really good point. You know, try and check out with yourself whether what you're wanting from this dating or a potential partner who you think can fill that gap, who will be out there, they're, they're all out, and there'll be many of them out there that yeah. will be right for you. How much of that is about actually something else? Is it about wanting connection with just more friends or, more, or, or, or connection with doing things that are good for you? And I just want to share just quickly, just a little, um, what's the word? Practice, if you like, that my therapist literally gave me this week that I thought, wow, she explained it to me in a, in a really simple way. And I thought, God, that's useful. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain it as beautifully as she did. She, and I was talking about this idea of unable to lose self-consciousness of how I'm presenting or being with anyone around me that matters. And that could be someone who matters in terms of relationships, family, you know, your wife, your children, your mum, your parents, but also people that you're meeting for the first time. And one of the things that she says can happen to all of us is, is that we have this sense of observing ourselves rather than being ourselves. And she said, we are more than capable, actually, of in a social situation or in any situation where you're relating to someone else, say on a date or something like that, of being able to, she said, actively worry about the situation for a moment, think about how you're relating to them. And then she said, make a decision, conscious, to not think or care about how anything goes or what anything happens by that. just... She says, it doesn't mean you shut up and you just sit back and you fold your arms because that's saying it, you're doing it aggressively. She said, turn the internal voice yeah. off. Literally turn it off. Sit and wait to see what happens. She said, because what you discover is everyone else's monologues are saying pretty much the same thing to themselves and they're running themselves out of steam. So what I'm trying to say is you're attaching your self-worth to others. And actually, it's projection. And you're thinking they're thinking things of you that they're probably not thinking. And you've probably written this beautiful narrative about yourself because you're thinking, this is what they're thinking of me. All these things, I've been this, I've done that, I had an affair, I, I was unfaithful, da, 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 da. None of that is, is, is there, you know. So, again, whether it be with friends, whether it be when, you, when and if you date again in the future, you know, try not to overthink about how you are or who you are or what you are when you're with them. Try and be. 
And what you will suddenly discover is there's a sort of serenity that might kick in with that. So kind of being mindful without sitting in a corner going on. Last word on that. If you are lonely and if you are using dating as almost a self-harming thing, because you know exactly how it's going to end up to, and you're leaping onto a life raft when you meet somebody, that's never... Well, it might work, you know, you might be lucky, but often that, that's a recipe for disaster. So we're not saying go away and love yourself. We're not mm. saying go away. We're just saying take a bit of time. Work out why and what and who you are looking for. Because maybe you haven't even thought about that. Mm. You know, and be discerning. It's okay to say, hmm, th this one doesn't suit me. Oh, no, no, I didn't like this one. Actually, I didn't like him right from the beginning. Go back, think about those other dates. Were there warning signs way earlier than you got to the point? You know, did you kind of know really that he was a bit of mm. a scoundrelly, he was probably just going to have sex with you and, and, and then run off? I suspect you probably knew earlier and learn from those, take some time away, sit with the pain a bit, knowing that you're moving forward all the time and you're going to be the most fantastic role model for your daughter because the way that you are going to carry yourself through this next phase of your life is going to be the most of what she's 10. She's also, coming up. Everyone thinks it's social media that influences mm, our children the most. It's not. It's us. <laughs> so just be mindful of that and it will help you be be more ferocious with yourself and what you want. And just to clarify again on what I mean by that sort of self-worth, you know, if you're allowing your self-worth to be determined by others, it's because you're handing them the key. It's because you're allowing them to, you're, you're writing a narrative of what you think they're thinking of you. You're, you're projecting, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, in a sense, you're, what is it, when you, you're, you're not fatalising, when you, when you, when you, when you, you're going for the worst possible worst case scenario. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're thinking that they're going to be thinking the worst things of you. And I think this idea that I, I was just catastrophizing. saying, catastrophizing, that's it. And the thing that I think my therapist was trying to say was don't even worry about writing the script because when you sit back at that point, it doesn't matter if a couple, say you aren't, you're on a date with someone, you just, you decide, I'm not going to do the thing I normally do. I'm going to sit yeah. and Also, be. you're giving too much importance if it don't. doesn't work out. Yeah, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. work yeah. out. Exactly. It just doesn't work out. You know, you could meet a thousand people and there'll be one in there. It's, 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 it's okay. It's okay. But wow. Can I just say from your paragraph, what a remarkable woman you are. Yeah. yeah. 18. There's no way I could have stayed married to somebody for 16 years when I was 18. God, I was a total mess till I was 39. And it's just through started. postnatal depression. Uh, it's just Jesus. started. And yeah. get some help for that. Yeah. It's never too late to go to a postnatal depression group and talk through it. Do you mm. know that? So that could be another way of making new connections and making new friends. Mm. Make friends first. Oh, I hope that was useful. Yeah. Okay, guys. And um, please, guys, it really does mean a lot and helps us like build this um, podcast. So it's a fairly new podcast. If you like, if you hit the like button, you follow and um, you subscribe and you tell your friends. Thank you.